Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those online. And today is definitely a special day. Uh, it is graduation Sunday, and, and I know we're here celebrating all of our students, and I am so proud of the accomplishments they've made, but I'm also here celebrating with you parents because I know that you've invested uh, a lot over this uh, past season, and, um, you know, graduation is an opportunity that we get to look forward to the, the things ahead, and I realize that many of you are approaching days like today with, with some, sort of, uh, some sort of a fear. Um, because you don't know what the days ahead will be like. But I do know this, that God has brought you safe this far, and the Lord is going to be with you. And the days ahead are going to be better than you imagine. And so I just want to encourage you to stay faithful, just like Pastor Dylan. I want to encourage parents uh, to keep praying, um, and you will have a lot of exciting things to uh, celebrate over the coming uh, days and the coming years. Well, today is not only Graduation Sunday, but today is Pentecost Sunday, and so we're gathering with millions of people across the world to celebrate uh, Pentecost. In Jesus' day, Pentecost was a festival that took place uh, every year. It was a festival that would be similar to our Thanksgiving festival. They would gather together, they would come from far and, uh, and wide, and they would gather together to celebrate they take a couple of days off and families connected with one another. While people in the community were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost, Jesus' disciples were huddled together in an upper room waiting for the gift of God to be uh, released on the earth. So we pick up the story in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It said, on one occasion, while they were eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me talk about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, we here at Stevens Creek, we understand what it means to be baptized in water. We've experienced that. In fact, um, we know that baptism is an outward symbol of an inward change. Last week, we celebrated with 26 people as they went forward uh, in their faith, and they were baptized here. Here's a quick picture of just last week's service, and, and it is uh, exciting to see what God is doing in so many people's lives. Now, to understand in, in the Scripture at this point, the disciples had already done that. They had been baptized. In fact, they walked in the footsteps of Jesus for three and a half years, they'd seen Jesus do incredible miracles. They had heard Jesus' teaching. But now Jesus is saying to them, there is more. I have more for you. I believe that that same word is true for us. That there is more to come. That there is more. That God has more favor and God has more influence and more resources. God's dream for your life is more than you even imagine. 
I want you to hear that. There's something bigger. There's something better. There's something more rewarding for you. There's more to come. Now, you've got to be willing to, to go through the process. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and I want you to wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. But so often when we are invited to go to the waiting room, we don't want to go in the waiting room. We want it and we want it quickly. We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait at the DMV. We don't like to wait in a doctor's office. We don't like to wait anything. We want it now. But there are times in all of our lives that we've got to learn what it means to be patient. And that as we enter into that waiting room, that we learn how to be content and yet expectant at the same time. This is so true for our graduates. That they'll go through seasons where you, you'll see things, doors opening right after one right after another. But then there will come another season where it seems like all of the doors are closed and you, you're, not, you're just stuck right where you are. It is in those seasons that we have to learn what it means to be patient because God is working on the other side, preparing your future for you. So you've got to learn to be patient in the difficult moments, but yet expecting and fully believing that God is going to complete what he has started in your life. And that's a challenge, though, to be content and yet be expectant. And while you're in the, uh, this waiting room, just keep the right perspective. Because I believe that God has you right where you are at this particular time. And the promise is right on schedule. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but, but truly, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, we know about the baptism with water, but what, it, what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Now, the word baptism in the original context means to dip or to plunge. In the culture of that day, they often used that word uh, as they were referring to taking care of clothes, like a laundry person would do, or uh, they would take, a, let's say, a piece of dye, uh, a piece of cloth, and they would take that cloth and they would dip it in the dye, and it would be one color before they would dip it, then they would, it would change into a different color to dip or to plunge. So baptism uh, signifies change. And so what you see here is that Jesus was saying that you will be changed when you are dipped or plunged or when you are immersed in God's spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, let's go for just a little deeper here. Now, we understand that in, in Jesus' day that often pe uh, people in the culture spoke Greek. And so uh, much of the New Testament was written in Greek. So if you look at this word power uh, in its original context, it gives the meaning of uh, explosive force. 
So the people of that day, uh, they would actually say, when they say the word power, they use the word dunamis. Now, the interesting thing about that, that is the root of our word dynamite. So he said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have this explosive power released in you. Um, it's a power that will change you from the inside out. And so the disciples knew this, and they went to the upper room to wait for this promise. A couple of years ago, Patty and I had an opportunity to go to the upper room in Jerusalem. Here's a picture of the upper room. It's interesting because so many times in my growing up and reading this story, I'm thinking of a, an auditorium, maybe something like Stevens Creek Church, and maybe it's on the second floor, but it's literally this side. It's much smaller than you would imagine. I also know that this is where historians would say it actually took place. This is the physical building, but probably along the way, the architecture of the room has changed. I know the Catholic Church has been wonderful about taking so many of the holy sites and, and buying those holy sites and taking care of them. And this is an example of one thing uh, through the years. But imagine this. In that very room, for 10 days, the disciples were in the room praying and waiting for God to move in their lives. They were waiting in there while people in the community were celebrating. It was festival time. In fact, on the 10th day of their vigil, on the 10th day of their vigil, it was like Thanksgiving Day. It was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. 50 days after Good Friday. So today is Pentecost Sunday. It's 50 days after Good Friday. We were here in this room and marking and remembering the events of Good Friday. Today, we're here remembering the events of Pentecost Sunday. As they were praying, something happened. The Holy Spirit was released in that room. The wind of God began to blow. And this was not like a normal breeze, but this was a spiritual wind that blew into that room. And it was unlike anything they had ever experienced before because it released a spiritual energy in their lives. Not only that, but we see in the Bible that there was cloven flames of fire that came down and rested upon each one of them. Now, in the natural, we know that fire is a source of energy. In the natural, we know that, that fire warms and fire uh, purifies and fire uh, provides direction. This was a type of spiritual fire. And I believe um, that this fire revolutionized these people, these disciples. These disciples themselves witnessed a page of history as it unfolded before them. So now we pick up the story of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, like the sound of a blowing violet wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. At this moment, their lives were changed. 
People in the community, they knew something was going on. They knew something. They could feel it in the air. And as a result, I mean, just imagine this. Fire came from heaven. A wind blew in. I mean, I grew up in a small town. And when we heard a siren, uh, maybe for, let's say, an ambulance. And in our small town, we call the ambulance the rescue squad. Now, if the rescue squad was going out, my dad would say, let's go see where they're going. That's what you do in a small town. That's, uh, that's what you do. If a fire truck was going, you would follow the fire truck to, to, the, to, to the fire. Now, a lot of times it was because there are volunteer fire departments, and so it was just a natural thing. And so when the fire fell in Abbeville, the town showed up. Well, this is the same here. When fire came from heaven, when this wind blew, I'm talking about the people who are now celebrating this festival of Thanksgiving slash Pentecost, they gathered outside of this upper room. There were thousands of people there. Thousands of people. And Peter went outside and addressed to the crowd. And they were saying all kinds of things. These people are crazy. These people are drunk. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. He said, this very thing that has happened here is what was spoken hundreds of years ago by the prophet Joel. The prophet Joel uh, said that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all people. And he will show wonders in the heavens. And he will show signs on the earth. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When they heard Peter speak, it was like there's conviction that went through that, uh, that audience. And do you realize that in that very um, meeting that day that 3,000 people were saved? They started off the day with 120 people in, uh, as members of the church and ended the day with over 3,000. And so today we think about that. We think about Pentecost Sunday. And as I think about what took place some 2,000 years ago on that day, I have this prayer. God, do it again. Let your presence be so strong. Let your energy um, uh, be so strong that we say, God, fill us up with your spirit. Do you know what? When you're filled with your, his spirit, it will change your life. That's what we see in 1 Samuel. It said, the spirit of the Lord will come on you in power and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. When the Holy Spirit flows through, you'll be changed. And that's exactly what happened to Peter and John. In chapter 4 of the book of Acts, after Pentecost, they said, when they saw the courage, when they saw the courage of Peter and of John, they realized that these guys were unschooled and they were ordinary men. These guys were unschooled and ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men, these unschooled and ordinary men, had been with Jesus. So many times we feel or we go through seasons where we feel like we're inadequate. 
Maybe we're unschooled. Maybe we just feel like we're ordinary. And think, we think we'll never get past where we are, that we're just too ordinary. Maybe you've done too many bad things, or, or maybe you haven't had the right breaks. Maybe you feel like that you'll never get any further than where you are right now. I want you to understand this, that Jesus didn't suffer, bleed, and die on a cross for you to barely make it through life. But Jesus paid the price so that you and I could have his power and his spirit living in us so that we can be victorious. That's why he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Here's the point. When Jesus was on this earth, he could only be one place at one time. The importance of the Holy Spirit being released is that the Holy Spirit can be all over the earth. God's Spirit covers the earth. You say, well, what does that mean for me and, and how does that affect me? I think there's three things that the Spirit will provide you that will make your life better. First of all, the Holy Spirit provides you with the ability to face your fear and the boldness to embrace God's plan for your life. We see this in the life of Peter. Prior to Pentecost, Peter lived in fear. Peter lived in fear, not in faith. He was the one that denied knowing Jesus. When Jesus was arrested, Peter three times denied knowing the Lord. Some people feel like that he, was, he never even showed up at the crucifixion. He was nowhere to be found. That was Peter. He was covered in fear. But notice Peter after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He received this supernatural courage, this supernatural boldness to stand up in front of thousands of people and to present the good news of the gospel. I believe that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God will give you the courage to step out in faith. By the way, what's courage? Courage is doing the very thing that you fear the most. We have lived over the last 12 to 18 months in a culture of fear. Every time that we've turned around, it seems like there's a new article, there's a new story, there's a new post, there's a new restriction. And it seems with every one of those Fear just creeps into our lives. And we as a culture have been covered in fear. God has not called you to live in fear. In fact, the word says God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's what God gives you. Love, power, and a sound mind. The enemy will come and attack you with fear because he wants to get at your mind. He wants to control your thinking. He wants to immobilize you. He wants you to be afraid to, uh, to go out and about. And it has been so easy over the last season to shrink back and to live in fear. 
look, we have gone through something very traumatic, and we are at the tail end of it, hopefully. But let me say this. We have to put our confidence when we go through difficult seasons in the future, and there will be more difficult seasons will come, we have to say, God, my life is in your hands. I have to understand that I personally believe that when I was born, God had already outlined my life. I believe God had already determined the number of days that I will live on this earth. And if God has already determined the number of days, then my life and my death are in his hand. And I come to the place where I have to learn how to trust him with my life. It doesn't mean I live reckless. It doesn't mean I ignore things. It doesn't mean I'm stupid about other things. But it means that it says, God, I trust you and I have confidence that you will not only get me through this, but you will see me through. You will walk with me through this. Yes, you're going to have difficulty, but God is going to be with you. See, Peter was, lived in fear, but after Pentecost, he had courage. You know, Paul also struggled. The apostle Paul had a similar experience. He struggled, and you know what his struggle was? He had a number of struggles, but one was public speaking. Standing up before people and talking. Some of you know how that feels. It, it would just devastate you if you had to stand up in a group and you had to talk. Patty and I had an opportunity to go to a graduation this week, similar to what many of you have gone through this week, but it's a little different because it was a kindergarten graduation. And they sang and they danced and they, they received a certificate and it was fun. But as a result of going there, we were talking about um, just our growing up and what it, what it was like for us to go through elementary school. And Patty said, that she had such a fear of reading aloud that it really uh, uh, hurt her. She said that, um, let's say if a classroom is going to read, you'd read the story. She said she wouldn't even, couldn't hear anybody else reading their part, so she didn't know what the story was about uh, because she was so focused on getting the words right. She was a good reader, but she said just to have to speak it out loud, she had a lot of fear over that. Some of you know how, know how that feels. Paul had that issue. He, had, he struggled with public speaking. That is until he stood up to preach and the power of God would anoint his words. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, listen to this. He, Paul said, you know, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. He said, you know, I'm not really that good of a preacher here. I don't have a lot of wise words. I don't have a lot of persuasive words. I'm not like uh, Apollos. I'm not like a, some of these other great communicators here. I don't have wise and uh, persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not stand in the wisdom of men, but on God's power. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit is important for us. We need that. We need the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can have courage and that we can embrace God's plan for our lives with boldness. I said there's three things. Here's the second. The Holy Spirit will provide you with the ability to make quality decisions. 
I believe the Holy Spirit is God's active presence, and he's going to give you that ability to discern between good and evil. I mean, there are many days that I have to step back and say, okay, what's right here? Because it seems like in our culture, everything is gray. It seems like every, that there's nothing that's right or wrong, that, you know, everything is just kind of merges together and everything's okay as long as you have your truth and, and you have your truth. But there's one truth, and the truth is in God's word. And the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to discern, to know the difference between right and wrong. But we need that specifically because there are times that I have to say, okay, God, is this you or the devil? Because I understand the scripture teaches us that Satan comes as an angel of light to deceive the very elect of God. And so we need that discernment to know right from wrong and good from evil, and the Holy Spirit does that. Now, here's an interesting incident that took place in Acts chapter 1. Now, now remember, the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2. So let's look at Acts chapter 1 before the Holy Spirit was given. Interesting story here. Okay, there were, what, 12 disciples of Jesus, right? And then at this, in Acts chapter 1 of that um, story, they're down to 11 disciples because Judas Iscariot committed suicide. And so here are these guys. They are responsible for choosing someone to fill the open slot in the 12 disciples for Judas. Now, as they're going through this, it's a traumatic event for them. I mean, they're grieving Jesus. They're also grieving that Judas, they thought he was their friend, but yet he didn't turn out to be their friend. And there's all this kind of emotion going on here. So they got it down to two qualified candidates. And they said, well, how do we decide between these two qualified candidates here? So we pick it up, Acts chapter 1, verse 24. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everybody's heart. Show us which of these you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Okay, that's all good, right? But notice the next verse. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, or Matthew, so he's added to the 11 disciples. How crazy is that? I mean, they're facing one of the biggest decisions they've ever made, and they just kind of roll the dice. Come on, come to Papa. Let's see who's here. Boom! Snake eyes. That means it goes to Matthew. I mean, think about that. A Las Vegas-style prayer meeting where you get out the dice and you roll the dice to try to figure out who fills the slot. That's in the Bible here. That's how they selected Matthew. Now, it's hard for us to comprehend. The reason it's hard for us to comprehend because we live in Acts chapter 2. We live in the season uh, uh, where the Holy Spirit has been poured out. 
You see, in Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit had not come. They had not had the Holy Spirit to guide them, to lead them. They had not had the energy. But here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing, after Acts chapter 1 in the Bible, everything forward, after Acts chapter 1, you will never find any of the followers of Jesus or the disciples of Jesus casting lots or rolling the dice to try to determine what God's will is or God's direction for their ministry. Never before, after that. Why? Because they have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that energy that will give you the ability to make good quality decisions. But so many times we don't use what we've been given. So many times we don't have that help because we simply don't ask for it. But if you'll ask, I believe God will give you the words to say. Just say, Spirit, give me wisdom. That's the prayer. Spirit, give me wisdom. Jesus offered this advice to his disciples in uh, in Mark chapter 13. He, um, He said, whenever you're arrested and you're brought to trial, don't worry beforehand about what you should say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. He said, in those times when you don't know what to say, say, Spirit, give me the words to say, and you will see the Holy Spirit give you words to say. When you're at that critical crossroads, God, speak to me. Give me the words to say. In fact, some of you will be in a conversation this coming week You will be in a conversation, and you will be dealing with a difficult situation. It could be at work. It could be a difficult, challenging situation at home. It could be somebody in the neighborhood. It could be somebody in the culture. And that you're in this conversation, and you don't know what to say. And then you say, Spirit, speak through me. And God will give you the words to say. And as you speak those words... What you'll see is that God will bring peace to that situation or God will bring clarity that you will be speaking God's word into that situation. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He wants to give you the words to say. Here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit will provide you with the ability to do things that you could not do with your limited abilities, your limited strength. If you look at the lives of the disciples uh, before the Holy Spirit was given and then look at them afterwards, it's amazing the difference. The power of God, this experience revolutionized their lives. They were given the ability to do things that were really impossible. Think about this. Right after uh, Acts chapter 2, we flipped the page over to Acts chapter 3. And so we see Peter and John were going to the temple, and they uh, went by the gate beautiful, and there's a guy that was lame, and and he's begging for money. And he said, give me money. Give me alms. Peter said, silver and gold I just don't have. I don't have any money, but what I do have I want to give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. God gave power. God wants to provide you with power to do things that you could not do in your limited strength. When you receive that God's power, he's going to 
go along, he's going to walk alongside of you. He's going to be with you. Your limited strength. Now, when Jesus was explaining to the disciples about the Holy Spirit, there's several words that he used to describe the Holy Spirit. One of the words, if we want to go a little bit deeper in the scriptures, it's the word parakletos. Paraclete. What does that mean? They use that in the original language to talk about uh, to describe somebody who will walk alongside of, somebody who will plead the case of. It's like a lawyer standing in the court pleading the case of. Somebody who comforts. So the Holy Spirit is called a comforter. We see this in John chapter 14. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a paraclete, a paracletos, to help you. God is going to send somebody to help you. And to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The one that's going to walk alongside. So, so many of you who are struggling because you feel like you're all alone in this. That you're handling this problem. You're, you're bearing this burden. God has sent the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of you. To be with you. To Plead your case to comfort you. But the problem is, so many of us don't include him in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. You say, Marty, okay, I get it, but how do I receive? You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit just like you receive anything else from the Lord. You simply ask him. In Luke chapter 11... He said, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven, notice this, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Simply ask. Simply ask, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Believe that you receive them and, you'll, and, the, and God will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. God cannot fill a vessel that's already full. There have been times in my life where I have been already full, full of myself. I've allowed ego to come in and control. And you know, ego stands for, right? E-G-O is when you edge God out. You edge God out of your life. You push God out of your life. And you're so full of yourself. You can pray till the cows come home. And it's not going to work if you're full of yourself. And so we have to come to the place where we're willing to empty ourselves. Say, God, I surrender to you. God, I give you my life. I empty. God, I give you this situation. My past, I cannot control that. I cannot uh, redeem. God, I need help. This presence, my future, I, I surrender it. Not my will, but your will be done. When you approach God with that type of sincere humility and you surrender that situation to him, he's going to come and he's going to move and he's going to bring help and he's going to go with you. 
we're going to close this time out with a, a prayer and we're going to say, God, come. I surrender my life to you. Fill me. Touch me. And as we pray, I'm going to believe that God is going to give you courage to address those things that you fear the most. Let's all stand together and let's prepare our hearts for prayer. We're going to ask the Spirit to be present in this room. What I know is oftentimes when I'm in a place that I am so bothered on the inside that I don't even know how to pray, that the Spirit starts to pray through me. Paul said it this way, like with groanings and utterings that I don't even understand, that it's such an emotional uh, emptying that, that, that God comes and prays through that. Some of you will experience that today, that, that, that the Spirit will begin to pray through you. And when the Spirit prays through you, He is praying in, in God's will for your life. And so our response to this on Pentecost Sunday is saying, God, come and fill me with your presence. God, come and move in my life. I receive what you have for me. So I just want you to be open to receive what God has for you. Are you ready to pray? Father, I just thank you so much. For people in this afternoon service, I pray for those watching online. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, Lord, move in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would give us courage and boldness. Courage to face the fear. And so, Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of fear would be broken over people today. God, break the fear of failure, the fear of losing. God, break that fear of dying. God, I pray that you would break the fear of poverty, the fear of sickness and disease. Lord, we have been inundated with all types of information over the last 18 months that would cause us to question every move that we make. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of that fear would be broken and that we, Lord, would put our confidence uh, in you. So come, Lord, and set people free today. I pray that you would move upon us and that, Lord, as we surrender to you, that you would come and that you would fill us up with your power and your spirit. And I pray that you say, Jesus, I receive what you have for me. Say that. Say, Jesus, I receive what you have for me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. I receive this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.